I am 11 years old, and soon I'm going to go to junior high school. And I opened my bedroom door to find my older brother there standing in an army jacket with a very serious look on his face. He's blocking me from leaving. He grabs me by the shoulders and looks me square in the eyes and says, Look, I'm going to say something that may not make any sense right now, but it will someday. It's really important, and I really want your attention. Do I have your attention? Well, being that he was bigger, stronger, standing in front of me with a death grip on my shoulders, I let him know, yeah, you got my attention. What's going on? And he looks at me square in the eyes. He says, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. People are going to ask you to do them, and it's going to be hard, but I'm here to tell you, don't do drugs. It's going to be hard, but someday people are going to respect you for not doing them, okay? So when you're older, realize none of this is going to matter. Don't do drugs. 45 years later, I still have never done a drug. Now, I may occasionally have an adult beverage at a podcast convention, but I've never taken or smoked any drugs. And today, we're talking about having a co-host. And you don't really need one, but sometimes when you're doing something new, like going to junior high... It's nice to have someone grab you by the shoulder and let you know that it's going to be okay and help you avoid those potholes. Today, we're talking about how to find a co-host, the pros, the cons, and the curse of knowledge. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash join, you can use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. So yeah, today... We're going to talk a little co-host, how to find one, what makes a good one, and how to avoid eh, when things go bad. Yeah, we've got a real example of that. Let's get to it. Hey, how did you find your co-host? Because I see that occasionally in a Facebook group or someplace and somebody go, how did you find your co-host? Ooh, now that's a good question. Thank you, Wayne Henderson and... So I threw it out to you, and you replied. And speaking of Wayne Henderson, he's one of the guys that replied. Hey, Dave. Wayne Henderson here from the Packers Fan Podcast, the show by and for fans of your 13-time NFL champion Green Bay Packers. And you can find it at PackersFanPodcast.com. Now, of course, as we head into the 11th season of the podcast, we're hoping that within a year, We will be mentioning the 14-time NFL champion Green Bay Packers, and who knows, they might be playing your Browns in the Super Bowl. You wanted to know how we picked our co-hosts. Ooh, now that's a good question. Anyway, after my longtime co-host, Troy Heinrichs, had to pull back from co-hosting the show on a permanent basis, had a lot going on, and of course, the Blacklist Exposed podcast is huge. I needed to get a new co-host and not a big fan of change. And I had no interest in training somebody how to podcast. I've done that a few times before on other shows. Didn't want to do it again. 
So I really thought about all the different options on what way I wanted to go. And what's interesting how it turned out was I narrowed it down and I decided my first choice was to try to get Scott Clark from the Gaming Outsider podcast to join me in hosting the Packers Fan Podcast. And what's interesting about it is after going through all the options and narrowing my list down and picking Scott Clark as my first choice was that he's actually a mutual friend of Troy Heinrich's. So it worked out really well. And we're kind of the three amigos, you know, sometimes uh, Troy's still able to join in for special reports and things like that. So it worked out really well. Very thankful that my top choice decided to say yes and uh, join in on the show. And of course, this makes me want to say, go pack, go. <laughs> oh, love me some Wayne Henderson. Good guy. If you want to have him voice over something on your show, check him out, mediavoiceovers.com. In fact, I'll just say this now. Everybody that I mention and who participated, their link will be in the show notes. And you can find that at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 773. This next clip has a lot of great tips in it. Hi, this is Andy from Colmillo Roquero. This is a podcast where we talk about hard rock and heavy metal. You can find us on our website, that is colmilloroquero.com. That is C-O-L-M-I-L-L-O-R-O-Q-U-E-R-O.com. Or you can find us on Podchaser as well. I was able to meet my co-host back when I was working on a different company. We both work on technical support, so we already knew we both like heavy metal because we used to go to concerts together or at least be able to share the taste and music. I already knew he was a really good fit because he was really responsible, someone that is able to you know commit to something, someone that has his life all together, not someone that is actually full of drama or really someone that is not fully committed to do something. Even though he is not showing up every episode, he really supports me. And he's really interested in where we're going to, what is the next step, what is the next guest, what is the next topic, where we're going to do next month, you know, all this stuff, what is regarding the future. He shows up really committed. And as far as I can see, he's really trustworthy. Someone that is actually showing up on time in a really good matter, never drunk, never high. So that was something that actually was able to add value to my life. And that's what I wanted someone with standards with values so i figured out he was a really good fit so at the very end what you want is a really easygoing person someone that is responsible that is going to be showing up on time someone that is not going to be in a bad state you know drunk or high and someone that is actually as well passionate regarding what you want because you're going to be able to share basically lots of time showing up talking about what you like that you're supposed to be passionate about and not everything is going to be actually sunshine and having good days. Sometimes you actually both have to cheer each other and be able just to go on. You know, motivation is not always that easy when you have a podcasting and not everything is going well. You both are going to have personal lives where not everything is going to be always perfect. And well, this is going to be like a really good time to escape from kind of reality and be passionate about what you like to talk about. So at least for me, that's what really matters. I hope this is going to be able to add value to you guys and you, Dave. And well, thank you very much for all what you do, Dave. Thank you for all the insight, all the information. Keep on going. I hope you all guys have a great day. Take care. Rock and roll. Hey, Dave, it's Brent from Latitude Photography Podcast, which is found over at latitudephotographypodcast.com. 
My show is for travel outdoor photographers, and the biggest thing I try to do with the show is to help people with their creative process. This can mean anything from learning something new, creating new work and getting some feedback on it, or just simply being inspired by the stories we have from the guests that we bring on. It has always been an interview-based show where I bring on other photographers and we talk about their work. About a year and a half ago, I decided I wanted to shake things up a little bit and have some regular guests rather than just trying to find someone new all the time. So I decided to host a casting call. I asked listeners to submit a portfolio of images and to record themselves talking about their photography and why they just love photography. I had a great response and I ended up selecting eight to be my latitude regulars. I rotate through them from time to time and I still keep it fresh with other guests though as well on the show. It's really helped as I can rely on them for ideas and inspiration for show topics Plus, I even have a European brand ambassador for Pentax as a regular, which I think is really sweet. I still do solo shows from time to time, but they just aren't as common. I closed that casting call back in December 2019, and I made my decisions in January 2020, and we're still going strong. They have all been willing to also go live with me on YouTube as we now do monthly listener-submitted photo reviews And that has just been really well received by the audience. Thanks for letting me share how I added regular guests or rather co-hosts to the show. Thank you, Brent. I like that. One of the great things about podcasting is there are no rules. It's your show. You can do with it whatever you want. So if you want one co-host, great. If you want a bunch of different co-hosts, great. And sometimes you just look a little closer and decide that your co-host is someone you're related to. Hello, Dave. This is Fred Castaneda speaking from podcastreporter.com. That's my flagship podcast, as well as thestrugglingbiz.com. But I wanted to answer the question that you asked about co-hosts. How did I find or choose my co-host? Well, Matt Cox, who is my co-host for the show called 2030podcast.com, is my son-in-law. And how did I find him? Well... Five years ago, or more, when I first met him, I realized that my daughter got attracted to him because he was podcasting. And when I met him, all we could do is sit and talk about podcasts and podcasting. He has a show called Brunch with the Brits at brunchwiththebrits.com. That happens to be a show about old-time radio BBCs. And he's already 13 years into it. By the way, Matt Cox is blind. That's right. He's visually impaired, but he's been podcasting for 13 years. And I found him. We both had a a very, very good time about podcasting. And then after he listened to my show, which was the strugglingbiz.com and podcastreporter.com, he liked the idea that I had a show that I started about the 2030podcast.com show. The 2030podcast.com show. It basically is going to be talking about about the themes and the attitudes, prognostications about the year 2030. So that's how I found my co-host. We're still there going strong. And by the way, every time that we do a podcast, we don't use any tools. We do the traditional double ender, and it seems to be working fine. Hi, it's Robin with Destination Connections. On the podcast, we provide travel tips 
for reaching the destination of connecting in a personal and professional way, how to start and strengthen those relationships. I first found my podcast partner when my sister gave birth to her 28 years ago. (laughs) A few years later, she was my flower girl in my wedding. And fast forward many, many years to 2020, I was undergoing a midlife crisis and she was going through a coronavirus crisis and Destination Connections, the podcast was born. Hey, Dave, it's Matt Rafferty. Shortly after I graduated from college, I landed my first real job at CNN Headline News. One day, I went up to the new employee at the teleprompter and asked her if she wanted to play volleyball with a group of us who get together after work. She said no. But eventually, she said yes, and we ended up getting married. And fast forward 30 years, here we are, the hosts of the Author Inside You podcast. It's where we interview authors about writing, publishing, and promoting their books. So if you're looking to write a book, check out our podcast. And if you're wondering how we found each other, it was at the teleprompter. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Matt. Here's Josh. Hey, Dave, this is Josh Rivers. I have a bunch of different podcasts like uh, you and many other people. But the one we're going to talk about today is 24 Faithful Podcast, which is at 24faithful.com. I started this podcast back in 2013, and it started when they announced that the show 24 was going to be coming out with a new season after a four-year break. And so I had just gotten started with my other podcast and had the idea that I wanted to start a podcast about the show. And I just happened to have met a guy online and just kind of in passing comments, learned that he was also a 24 fan. And so I reached out to him and just asked if he wanted to do a podcast reviewing over the episodes of 24. And so that's kind of how it started. And so we got going, we made a plan and we started reviewing the different episodes of the, of the show going back to the very beginning. And during that process, we ended up connecting with a couple of listeners and a couple of them actually came onto the show as some guest co-hosts. And so they kind of became part of the show uh, during that time. And actually right now, two of the previous co-hosts I've had before are actually the ones running it. We ran it, the three of us, for um, about six months and then Uh, The two of them have taken over because my schedule had changed. And so, but just kind of making connections and having a common uh, enjoyment of the show. And I guess this can translate to whatever, any topic. But yeah, so it just kind of, kind of grew and it's been pretty good. And even in the middle somewhere, we ended up writing a fan fiction uh, story as well related to 24. But anyway, so it was all because of having a desire to talk about 24 and connecting with someone, we started it, and it's been pretty cool. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. I do a show every Saturday morning with a guy named Jim Cullison from TheAverageGuy.tv, and basically what happened was someone in my audience, in this case Jim, and it was horrible. I was doing this live show. There's no audience. It's me just kind of struggling. It was me playing with live tools. It was never supposed to be going on for at this point, seven or eight years. And Jim just emailed me and said, Hey, you look like you're kind of, you know, struggling, which I was because there was no audience. Think about that. When you do a live show, it's got a kind of, it's much more fun. Let's go that route. If there's somebody listening. 
And at that point, all of my shows were solo and I never used a co-host. I never had a co-host. And I said, eh, let's give it a shot. And so we did one episode and at the end we're like, hey, that was kind of fun. And we've been doing it ever since. So this might be something if you're looking for a co-host and you can't find one, start the show and do them solo because it's a lot easier to ask someone to join something that exists than, hey, do you want to join an idea in my head? Just one way of thinking about it. My co-host was a good friend before we even started podcasting, way before. And he still is, remarkably, a good friend. We work together as well, which is a great thing because our podcast is about what we do. We're, we're both English teachers. And that means that we're drawing on a shared knowledge of the topic that we're podcasting about. I've heard people say, before you start podcasting with a co-host, make sure you get something down on paper, some kind of informal contract or even formal legal contract to say who's going to do what, who's going to be doing the show notes, who's doing the editing, who's answering emails, who's finding sponsors. Make sure everything is clear because that can get a bit muddy further down the line. We didn't do that. I knew from the beginning that I was pretty much going to do everything and my co-host was going to come along, turn on the microphone, do the podcast and leave. And I've been fine with that over the years. I have absolutely no problem with that because of the value he brings to the podcast. But it is important to have that discussion at the beginning to make sure that you're both on the same page. My name's Craig. I'm from com, where we help Spanish speakers improve their English. Thank you, Craig. In just a second, I'm going to give you another example of how I found my second co-host. And then we're going to get into the really ugly parts of having a co-host and how the, like the, the nails come out, the, the passwords get changed, it gets ugly, and I'm going to give you a real-life example but first, speaking of real-life examples, I want to talk about having your show professionally edited. Recently, I signed up for Hulu. It's six bucks a month, but they play ads in it. And at first, I was like, well, how dare you charge me another $6 to get it advertising-free? But I found the TV show MASH. You might remember this. This is something I used to watch with my mom back in the day. And uh, I soon learned that these advertisements were really ruining the experience. It wasn't as fun. So I paid the $6. And I'm here to tell you, it so increased the enjoyment of the Hulu experience. And I was amazed that I was trying to save six whole dollars and instead getting tons and tons of advertising. Dave, what does this have to do with podcasting? If you are doing a podcast and you are editing it and you're like, ugh, I hate the editing part. It takes so much time and my kids are coming in and going, hey, come play with me. It's nice outside. And you're like, sorry, I got to do the editing thing. Well, let me take that off your plate because after all, I'm pretty sure time with your kids, times with your spouses, time doing other things that you're good at is much more enjoyable when you're not freaking out about the editing. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash edit and get that off your plate. Pricing starts at $1.95 a month for four episodes up to 60 minutes each. I've got a couple different options there. If you don't see the one you need, let me know and I'll make it for you. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash edit. 
Many moons ago, I was the director of podcasting for the New Media Expo, which at the time was the largest kind of event for blogging, podcasting, video, and then the guy that was running it, not me, steered it right into the wall. And while I was there, there was this guy that kept writing blog posts on our website. And I reached out to him and I said, you know, these are really good. You should start a podcast. And he said, can you help me with that? And I said, sure. And that guy was Eric K. Johnson. And that podcast was the podcast talent coach. And the more I got to know him, he has a phenomenal way of making content and figuring out what to do it later. It's based on his like 30 years of podcasting experience. And I had started a podcast called the podcast review show where I would bring somebody on. We would listen to their show. And I said, Hey, you know what? You would be a great fit. I could be kind of the technical guy and you could be the content guy. Now for the record, both of us kind of know both sides of that story, but Eric's much better at that. And I definitely have more skill or more experience in that area. And uh, he said, yeah, this would be great. Now, here's the fun part. I had started that show with my now ex-wife. And I guess one way to put it is if you're going to have a threesome, you should probably ask your partner. And so when I came home and announced to my wife, I'm like, this will be great. Eric's going to be the content guy. I'm going to be the technical guy, the website guy. And you're going to be the average Joe podcast listener. And uh, she wasn't having any of it. So I'm not really sure I like the way that came out, but you get the the point. So keep that in mind. Anytime you make any changes to your show and you have a co-host, you need to make sure everybody's involved in that decision. And the other thing you want to make sure of in the same way that Eric and I have things in common, but we also have some things that are different. You don't want to hire somebody who is a clone of you. That will make for a very boring podcast when somebody says, what did you think of that? And you go, well, I, I liked it. What did you think of that? And they go, me too. Yeah, that's going to get old really quick. That show is still going strong. We only do it when somebody hires us to listen to their show. It really is a bit of a head scratcher because you're basically paying for two podcast consultants for the price of one. And once we get done listening to your show, we actually bring you on. And it's almost a consulting call with two consultants plus the added exposure for the price of one. Check it out at podcastreviewshow.com. Now, something else I want to talk about here is what Craig mentioned, the fact that you should up front, before there's any money, determine who is doing what. And one of the things you really need to figure out is who owns the show. And when I say that, who is paying for the service that provides your feed? And I don't run into this a lot, but I work for Libsyn. It's a podcast media hosting company. And from time to time, you will see where basically two people or three people have started a show, and I've got an example I'm going to get into, and things get ugly. And the bottom line is, whoever is paying for that service is the owner of that information. So keep that in mind. And one of the things you want to do is have this awkward conversation and determine, just like Craig said, determine who is doing what, what is expected. What happens when money comes into the picture? You really need to do that before there's any money in there. Determine how does someone get fired? What do you have to do? You know, how do I quit? We're going to hear about that in a second. And just go over every worst case scenario and figure out what are we going to do 
if this happens? What do we do if somebody moves? What do we do if whatever? Go over all those and you can write them down. I don't know if you have to get a legal document. You can if you want. The bottom line is when everybody knows what's expected, yes, that conversation is very awkward. It is. But when it's done and you've pushed through the awkwardness, it's actually even better because now you can get back to focusing on the fun stuff, which is making your podcast. And what you do need to determine there is who is the host of the show? Because somebody's going to be kind of driving and pushing the content, and typically somebody is kind of the color commentary. Make sure everybody knows who is doing what. Now, you can both drive. A great example of this is James Cridlin and Sam over at Podland. And how they do this is James will talk about maybe story number one. And he will very obviously toss the ball over to Sam and Sam will talk about story number two. Now, the way they're able to do this is through planning. And one of my favorite tools for this is Google Docs. It's free. Go to docs.google.com and you can just have an outline of what's going to be on the show. And some people will color code it so you know that anything that's in blue letters is mine and anything that's in green letters is yours. It makes it really easy. And you can also then see what points you're going to hit. And what this then eliminates is saying, well, should we go ahead and move on to the lightning round? You don't have to ask that anymore. I do this all the time with Eric on the podcast review show. We will type up our notes about the episode that we listen to And if I see that we've gone through all of our points, but there's still one under Eric's section, I can easily throw out some sort of softball statement to set him up so that he can make his point. It makes for a much smoother show. It lets you know where you're going, and it's going to lead to much less editing. I found this example on Facebook. It's from Jill. And she says this. One of my former podcast co-hosts at the end of our last podcast was upset that we were disbanding our shared podcast. So she immediately locked myself and our other co-host out of the podcast email, which was the recovery email for all of our accounts, our social media, the podcast host access, our Google Drive. Basically, they lost all access to control the show. Then she started a new podcast, and rather than starting a new show with a new RSS feed, she deleted the artwork of the former podcast and the synopsis and started a new podcast. In other words, she rebranded it. And in the end, if that person is paying for the media host, there isn't a whole lot you can do. But when I look at this, this is where you have a situation that someone is upset. And if you say, look, I understand that you're upset. You don't want to disband the pod. You still want to go. And, and I don't want to go, and our other co-host maybe doesn't want to go. So we're disbanding. How can we do this so that it's a win-win for everyone? Because I don't want the show, I, I want the show to be done. So what you do then is you say, here's how you're going to win. We're going to put out one more episode and say goodbye to our audience, and then you're going to start a new show, and we want you to promote your new show. And then anybody that wants to subscribe to the show that you just described can subscribe on your new website and you're going to make sure that you're in Google and Spotify and Apple and all that and you could go that way. And then maybe co-host number two is going to start their own show. And maybe if I'm you know, co-host number three, I have my own show. Maybe we all want to do our own shows. We're going to go solo 
but we don't want to be a band anymore. You can use your show to say, hey, if you're finding this show, we don't do this show anymore. We left our back catalog here if you want to check it out. But if you'd like to get a hold of Paul, he's over there. If you want to get a hold of John, he's over there. If you want to get a hold of Ringo, he's over there, etc. And let the audience make the decision. And then whoever's paying for it, maybe you all come together and say, look, you know, one of you is paying for that. So the other three chip in for that and you keep it online for maybe a year or so. That's a way that everybody wins. But you have to first acknowledge that that one person is upset and understand that they're upset and say, hey, here's a way that you can harness the power of our current audience and get them to sign up to you. And if that's the last episode, that's also going to be the first episode when a new person finds the show. And in theory, if that person, and this is going to be the tough part because we're dealing with emotions and when we're emotional, we don't always act the best way. If you could say, look, can we all agree on that? And you might just have one person that goes, no, I'm just going to I'm going to, you know, burn my bridge. I'm going to burn everything down to the ground and, and, you know, screw you guys. I'm going home kind of thing. And that's sad because I'm going to assume you were at one point friends doing the show and this person feels so slighted. So that's where you might say, hey, I tell you what, let's take a month off and maybe come back to it. Give people time to settle down and, and also keep in mind that the one of the keys there when people are upset is not to force your opinion down their throat, but take time to listen to them so you can understand them before you try to be understood. So that would have been another way to maybe handle that. And when you don't, well, then you have situations like that. And that I see that on a not like super regular basis, but it happens. And when it comes through, I have to escalate that to management at Lipson so they can figure out, okay, who really owns this stuff and what's going on. And, and it's just, it's ugly. And if you've had those awkward conversations, then you know, hey, if one of the four of us wants to quit this show, here's what we're going to do. And then hopefully you can pull something off that is going to make the best out of a bad situation. And I realize that's a lot of information today. So keep in mind when you're looking at a co-host, check their schedule, check their family, which will also then determine their commitment and you want to make sure that they have that support. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that there is someone who's bringing something maybe different than what you have to the stage. You don't want to hire a clone. I would recommend if you have a co-host or not, if you're doing a solo show, record a few practice shows and don't release them because chances are they're not very good. But what that will allow you to do is decide, hey, are we going to go weekly, twice a week, once a month, three times, a whatever it is. Figure that out. And as Craig said, figure out what's going to happen if there's any money, even though there isn't any money now, there might be some in the future. Figure out who owns the show, figure out who, what happens and how do you get fired and have those awkward conversations. To kind of tie into last week's episode, which you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 771, where I talked about the new Apple subscriptions, a couple of things that have come to my mind that I don't think I said in that last episode. On one hand, we're all like, wow, check out Apple really protecting people's privacy because you're not going to get any information about the people that are paying you money, which means they're your customers, but they're not. They're really Apple's customers and you're the product. And so... I'm still a little wishy-washy on Apple Podcasts. I, I think I'm going to let somebody else dive into the pool and see how it works. I, I have a show in mind that I might play with on that, 
But uh, the big news this week, kind of, was that Spotify basically said, hey, we're doing that too. And they're not because Apple's making it super easy. Spotify is going to be rolling this out, but you're not going to be able to subscribe on an iPhone or an Android phone. Hey, that sounds simple. Yeah, you're going to have to go to a website. So that sounds like a train wreck waiting to happen. And also Facebook rolled out some sort of weird Spotify sharing a player on a Facebook thing. Can I tell you something here? Nobody watches anything long form on Facebook. Now, for the record, that may have changed because when I looked at the information before, you were lucky if you got somebody to listen to a minute. Like that was like, holy cow, you're a god that you got somebody to listen to a minute of content on your website. Now they have those kind of players that as you scroll down, it'll go down to the bottom right-hand corner. So that might change. I don't want to completely poo-poo it. But in general, I don't think if you have a 45-minute podcast, somebody's going to listen to it on Facebook. I could be wrong. I'm very open to being proven wrong, but I still just don't see that happening. I think what it's going to do is somebody's going to hear it and then go to their phone and follow slash subscribe to your show. So that's the latest news from the subscription tank. I still think, I don't know, to me, the Apple thing sounds cool. But I like the Supercast or the Glow.fm method where it's really just one additional click and then you get all the information about your listeners. But it's going to be fun to watch that as it rolls out. Coming up in future episodes of the School of Podcasting, I'm going to, and this is where people are going to go, oh, you're just going to say Lipson because you work for Lipson. I'm going to try to answer the question, what is the best media host? And that, of course, is subjective. So what I'm going to do is break down the different kind of formats or the different platforms that people are offering at different prices, different features, and things like that so you can make an informed decision. And that's going to be factual. I will definitely, if I if I break into opinion, I will say that. But there are going to be some things I'm like, here's the deal. This is free. This is what you get. This is this. You pay for this, and this is what it is. And by, by doing that, because I do work for a media hosting company, I'm going to try to pull all the opinion out and go, look, here, let's make an informed decision. Let's step up to the buffet and see what people are serving, and then you can make your informed decision. So that's what's coming up. If you're listening to this on a phone, all you have to do is text SOP, that's short for School of Podcasting, text SOP to 31996. That's SOP to 31996, and then you can follow, subscribe, and that's free, by the way and get the latest episode the minute it's available, plus you'll be able to get the back episodes. And if I could ask you for one more little favor, since you have your phone in your hand, can you click on the share button and either share this with one person who needs to hear it, maybe the person that you are thinking of asking to be your co-host, or share it on your social? That would really, really help me. I deeply appreciate it. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Thanks for joining me on my mission to rid the world of boring podcasts. Here comes an hour of bloopers. And you heard Sergeant Fred talk about his son-in-law, whose name is Max? Matt Brunch with the... Oh, crap, I should know this. Matt. His name is Matt. Uh, I love the road. Uh, it's yeah, easy for me to say the rope. Yeah, that model. It's always great to hear from Craig.
That was not a good Craig. Craig, Craig, Craig. Don't, uh, I just don't have it today. The Podcasters Roundtable with myself, Paul Culligan, Brian Bander, Bander something, brr, Bandolino, Bandolino, Barbarino, what, Mr. Cotta, Barbarino. Everything will be there. Just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash seven. I should know the number. Yeah, that would be good. You might want to look up the number. Hey, since you're still here, thank you so much for listening. I should have put this at the very beginning because it is important. As I record this on May 2nd, 2021, and the new version of iOS 14.5 is rolling out, it's going to take longer, as in hours longer, for your episodes to show up in Apple Podcasts. It's probably not your media host, but it's definitely not going to be the 20 minutes that it used to take. It's now going to take hours. Why? Because Apple has changed the way that they are indexing shows. And the bigger question now is, because it used to be when you subscribe to somebody's show, you were connected directly to them. And now you're not. And what that means Maybe I'm going to have to investigate this is if they remove you from Apple podcasts, your audience isn't going to have a way to be directly connected to you. Where in the past, if they removed you from the store, no new people could find you. Previous audience would still have access to your show. And in this new way, it sure looks like when they remove you, they remove you. And now your audience is going to have to manually subscribe to your show. Very interesting. Have you 